Hi, I'm indie fantasy author Melinda Cusera, and in this episode of Fantasy Lore and More, Kimberly Grimes is joining me to talk about her book, Shade of Light. And I already have questions because that's a really neat title. So welcome, Kimberly, and tell us about Shades of Light. Hello, Shade of thank light. you for having me. Sorry, it's singular. Yeah, <laughs> so there's one shade um, we care about. <laughs> Go on. Just one shade. Um, hello, um, I am a YA um, multi-genre uh, fantasy author. I also have a series that is science fiction fantasy. Um, Shade of Light is part of my new uh, trilogy series, a Three Shades Trilogy. It's book one. And um, I decided to pivot from science fantasy to dark fantasy um, just because I've always been intrigued in the dark fantasy genre but to make it YA teen appropriate. So I you should come Shade back and we should talk about the science fantasy because we could talk. We haven't had, I think, I don't think we've had anybody else. Uh, I've done like 70 interviews. I don't think we've had someone come on and talk about science fantasy because we could talk about what it is. You should come back and we should, we could do a whole fun episode on that and, and talk about your other series because yeah. it's, it's also actually fantasy. in the process. I'm also in the process of doing a recover design for that series. So I'd love to, when I do the cover sure. launch and everything, come and show you and everything. <laughs> yeah, no, you're welcome to come back. You know, we we don't have any rules. Everybody's welcome back. <laughs> we have an open, we have a digital door and it's always open. <laughs> yeah. So Shade of Light is, uh, it, it's, it was new uh, territory for me and um, just wanting to explore, you know, the dark, fantasy elements, but again, YA and teen appropriate. So it touches on a lot of um, internal conflict, um, but it does have that borderline um, violence because it is a medieval fantasy setting. Ooh. So there is some of that violence in there, but again, it's, it's on the same level of, um, you know, if you're watching Stranger Things or if you're watching Wednesday or shows like that, that are teen appropriate YA 14 and above. Um, so I really wanted to explore a morally gray character who she's not perfect. She was born um, with demon in, she has demon in her, um, not in her, but like a uh, coursing through her veins. She has demon blood. And so she can do things when she touches people, infiltrate their mind and, and really look into their fears and so she believes because she's cursed that this is her her fate. You know, she's she's born to be evil. But the point of the story is the power of choice. We have the choice whether we're whether we're born certain ways to be good. And so it's her journey about her discovery of her origins and her the power of being able to choose how she lives her life. Wow. And so it starts off really small in book one. Her world is small and where she's discovering things and discovering other other magical elements. And then for book two, um, it just gets really wider. So the whole series just keeps growing, growing. Um, more and more is discovered. And and that's kind of what I, I want her to growth, not just in book one, but grow throughout the entire series. Those are the best books. So when you come in not knowing anything and you get the view gets wider and wider as the characters grow and learn. Yeah, she's she's 
this is a um, a dual point of view story as mm-hmm. well. So we hear from Adele. Adele's the main character. Um, she, the mo- most of the story is told from her point of view. There are four or five chapters told from another character. Her name is Rune. And um, I don't want to spoil her character, but she was very interesting to write. Um, and her character arc from the readers that I've I've talked to and everything, they were really impressed with her transition and her role in Adele's journey. So, um, oh wow! All right. So, so, so the so what is Shade of Light? So we know it's a, it's a medieval, it's YA. So what is Adele's trying to do? What's her mission? What's her? Where do we meet her when we start the story? Uh, she's escaping. Um, she's been held captive by a, a tyrannical general because uh, the general um, has been using Adele to torture people for information because she mm-hmm. has the ability to infiltrate people's minds. So for the past eight years, and, and um, she has been just used as a weapon. And so she escapes because um, she comes across uh, a family member who heals uh, somebody with their blood, which raises questions about, they know something about me. And so she escapes wanting to find this family member and find out more about why she is the way she is. And so uh, it's her journey back to her childhood village um, in the beginning of the story. And then once she gets to her childhood village, just nothing what she expected happens. And, And she's introduced to these characters called the shades plural (laughs) oh there are more than one (laughs) and um and so these shades uh one of them also has an ability like adele which brings up more questions of where do they come from and how come i have similar abilities to these these beings that aren't human and so it's just this whole um Returning back to her childhood village, you know, it's a found family trope story. It's reuniting with people that she hasn't seen for eight years. And it's just working together. She's been so isolated and and keeping within arm's reach of people because she's so afraid she'll hurt people. So um, it just really helps her understand herself and let people in. Um, so it, it's it was an interesting concept because... You know, she likes her power, but she doesn't like her power. Right. I can see how that could be conflicting. Should we go to the excerpt? Yes. Um, I would love to read. I'm going to jump into uh, chapter four. This is an excerpt that I read during 20 Books to Vegas this past November, where we got to stand up and read from our book. So I hope that's okay. Sure. Okay, I get nervous when reading. The rain isn't letting up, so I shift my brisk walk into a jog. After rounding the bend in the road, I slide to a stop. Mud splashes over my boots and halfway up both legs, splotching dark stains along my fitted pants. I stand there and stare at what lies ahead, while rain pelts my hood and shoulders. When did Bryson put up a protective barrier around the village, and not just any fence? It's a seriously high, keep the hell out kind of wall. 
Eyeing the surrounding forest, I recall the boy's warning. Are you one of those hero wannabes looking for death? Something's not right. Keeping a watchful eye on the road in the forest it cuts through, I make my way towards the enormous wall. Why would a peaceful village like Bryson need to protect itself? Lifting my gaze, I notice the sharp tips of the logs pointing into the sky. They must have used some of the tallest trees from the woods as the top reaches well over 10 feet. I'm trying to understand the reason for such a wall when it suddenly comes to me at, at the same time a bolt of lightning crosses this gray sky. This must mean that incident eight years ago wasn't a one-time attack, that Bryson has been in trouble all these years. When I reach the front entrance, a set of heavy, heavy wooden doors wide enough to fit a horse-drawn cart through, I swing my bow off my shoulder and hold it at my side. <clears throat> when I reach the front entrance, a set of heavy wooden doors wide enough to fit a horse-drawn cart through, I swing my bow off my shoulder and hold it at my side. I come in peace, but that doesn't mean I won't defend myself if attacked. With one hand raised and ready to knock, I shout, Hello? I need to speak with, but my sentence is cut off by a whizzing sound followed by a thwump. I turn to the line of trees behind me when two more arrows fly by, sinking deep into one of the logs lining the barrier. I pluck one arrow free, removing a sizable chunk of dead wood with it, then walk over to the forest edge. It's not the black feathers of the vein that give away the archer's identity, but the white part decorating the shaft below the worn arrow tip, Elijah. Your aim hasn't gotten any better over the years. I yell over the heavy rain, but no one answers. My patience is growing thin and my clothes are now drenched. I drop the homemade arrow and grab one from my quiver, notch it, knock it, and release it into the treetops. Unlike his nicked and scratched arrowhead, my sharp steel tip slices through the leaves. A few seconds later, a branch snaps and someone yelps. There are more cries as the trees rustle with a cascading ripple, ending with someone landing in the large puddle. He clutches his chest and with one hand while grasping to catch his breath. Ay, that hurt. He whines from beneath a red scarf covering the lower half of his face. I slowly approach him and only stop when his attention shifts from the pain in his in his chest to me. Dark eyes lock onto me from over the edge of the red fabric while rain drips over his short hair and down his forehead. His, he, holds me, he holds his gaze to mine while frantically searching the muddy water. I lower my bow. There's no need to. My words are cut short when his hand covered in mud emerges holding one of his broken arrows, the jagged tip pointing straight at me. Using his free hand, he scoots along the ground trying to put some distance between us. His voice trembles as he shouts from behind the thin layer of scarf. Keep your distance. Over the rain, I say, hello, Elijah. He pauses in his retreat, and his arm holding the arrow wavers momentarily. Familiar brown eyes narrow in confusion, searching for an identity beneath my cloak's hood. How do you know my name? When I don't answer, he gets to his feet, scrambling to adjust the empty quiver hanging askew over one shoulder. His wool pants are sodden with muddy water while the rain continues to drench his tunic, making the fabric stick to his chest. When he's done fixing himself, he takes a step closer, broken arrow still clutched in one hand. I can't let you pass if you don't tell me how you know my name, stranger. I'm no stranger, I say, then lift back my hood. 
The rain immediately soaks through my braid, chilling my scalp. The water trickles along my forehead and into my eyes, but I keep them open. I want him to recognize me. Elijah lowers his hand, letting the broken arrow fall from his fingers. His brows pinch as he scans me up and down. Adele? He remembers me. Good. How's Kit? I ask, turning back to the gate's entrance. And what's with the wall? He runs up and stands in front of me, forcing me to stop. Is it really you? He asks, eyeing me from head to toe. I nod. The one and only. What are you doing here? And why have you been? And where have you been all these years? I hold out a hand, gesturing to the barrier door water collecting in the crevice of my glove. How about we talk inside, somewhere where we aren't getting soaked? Of course, it's just good to see you. He leans in, arms open wide, and I quickly raise my bow, blocking him from embracing me. Shuffling back, he lowers his arm. Heavy drops of rain fill the awkward silence lingering between us. For a second, I think he's going to turn me away due to my lack of enthusiasm. Even if he does refuse me, there's no way I'm leaving without speaking to Aunt Lauren. But eventually he nods and meanders over to the front entrance. The heavy old planks of the wide door rattle with each knock. He pounds three times and then pauses, pauses or beep before pounding three more times. From behind, boards are being removed and iron latches released. While we wait, he tells me, all visitors must check in with Trevor. Trevor, the huntsman who used to pass through just before the winter season? The guy with the tastiest, with the softest furs and the tastiest dried meats? Yes, though he's not the huntsman anymore, nor is he the same man from ten years ago. Eight, I correct. Elijah shuffles his feet, looking off to the side as if he's trying to count the years since that day. Without looking at me, he agrees. I guess it has been eight. Seems longer than that. The door is open and we're about to continue in when he presses one hand to my shoulder. The physical contact catches me off guard and with one swift swing, I knock his hand away with my bow. Staggering away, he clutches his wrist. The shock in his eyes shifts, almost as, if he's, almost as if he's too exhausted to react. Then, from beneath his scarf, he tells me, if Trevor, t if Trevor says go, you gotta go, Adele. And he shakes his head. Pretty sure he's gonna tell you to go. You're too much of a risk. His words sting. I mean, I know we're not close anymore. Hell, I'm the reason he lost his older sister, Alia. But to hear how much, but to hear him say how much of a risk I am hurts. But he's not, not wrong here. I am a risk, which is more of a reason to get in and get out. These people have been my friends and fam. Sorry, these people have, might have been my friends and family to me at one time. But that doesn't. But that time has come and gone. I'm not staying long. I just need to talk with Lauren. Then I'll be on my way. His gaze dips, water dripping off his long eyelashes, and he nods. Come on, he says, turning and waving for me to follow. Trevor will be at Gosling's. Trevor was a giant the last time I saw him. But then again, I was much smaller than I am now, and most adults towered over me back then. But I do remember the huntsman. He was probably the broadest and strongest man I ever saw, arms twice the size of most men. But it doesn't matter how big he is, because all I need to do is remove my glove, and he'll be begging me to spare his life. That That's, is uh, the excerpt. <laughs> oh, wow. So in this, so prior to this, she had to escape and then travel to here um, through uh, probably some, well, whatever obstacles happened to be in her way. Was there like an enchanted forest she had to go through or some difficult landscape or chased by 
Yeah. So in chapter one, she she's already escaped the castle. Mm. And so okay. she's about to cross uh, the strait, um, the waters, to get to the neighboring country where her childhood village is. Um, so in chapter one, uh, she's at the end of her escape. And I use that chapter to really get to know the character, what she's running from. She runs into a friend, her only friend, who's been her friend during the captivity, um, who is warning her that the general has sent basically a, her army after Adele because she wants her return. And then in chapters two and three, um, the journey begins. It's a peaceful it's it's not there's not oh. a lot of action in those two chapters um but i used those chapters to get familiar with her to sprinkle in some backstory and to get from her adjusted to being out of captivity i see when when was she and, captured how old was she because you said she was in there for eight years and this is ya so yeah she was um about uh 10 years old when okay. she is, she was captured due to the incident that happened in her childhood village. She was running after um, somebody took her mother and then she got lost in the woods. And then she ended up um, being taken across the strait to um, the hostile territory. Um, so she was there and uh, she escapes and she goes back to her childhood village for answers because her powers manifested um, while she was over in this hostile place. So okay. she didn't have these abilities when she was a child. And so she believes she's, at first she believes she's a curse. She's cursed. Something happened. Um, so um, it's a, it's a, it's a different kind of magic system. It's a different kind of story world. I didn't want to do something uh, in in regards to spells or anything. Um, so it's more about demons and angels. Okay. So the powers come from uh, those source types. So how, how does that work exactly? Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, so what happens is uh, there's, it's a realm story, right. realm fantasy. So the other beings, the shades, they come from a place called the Underrealm, and there's demons there. And so they come from there, and this is why Adele wants to learn more about them when she encounters them, um, when she, she goes back in with Elijah. Um, Elijah is her childhood friend. Um, they were very close, and they become close again, you know, but it's a different kind of friendship now that, you know, she's been torturing people for eight years, and she's just very closed off and and not cold, but she just doesn't want to hurt anybody where she puts up this wall. Mm -hmm. So and she probably hasn't um, had much like affection or people caring about her for the last eight years. So yeah. there is one friend, her name is Celine, um, who is the friend in chapter one who comes to warn her that the general has sent out her army. Um, Celine plays a really important role with, Adele holding on to humanity, humanity. Mm. So basically she sees Adele's goodness and, and she thinks like, I will never have that. But because I have her in my life, that's, that's what I need to hold on to. You know, she's, she's my friend who anchors me to, you know, still 
that good part of me. So Celine plays that that role, and she also has another role in um, the midpoint twist. So, so for Adele, caring is is what helps her hold on to her man. She cares for Celine. She cares for she cares for Celine. Um, she cares for all the people she ends up reuniting with. Right, but right. At the same time, she doesn't want to because she doesn't want to get close to people. Right. So, then I guess at some point she realizes that she needs that. That's what's helped her hold on to her humanity, it sounds like. Yes. So, and and that plays a big part in, you know, the the story for the mid midpoint twist all the way up to that big, um, there's actually two finale fight scenes, if you want to call it, or climax scenes. Well, yeah. So. I mean, at some point that army is going to have, is going to, you know, if her village is right across the border, it does, I mean, they... Don't doesn't sound like they have that far to search for her. That eventually yeah. they're going to catch up with her. Like that's just a that's not even a spoiler. That's just a foregone conclusion. You know, she's not yeah. running to, from New York to California or something where there'd be infinite places to hide. Right, right, right. So that does play into it, and then, um, and like I said, in comes books two and three, the world just expands. So mm-hmm. right now the focus is in this village that she's traveling back to. And then for books two, we're going to expand a little farther to a different area of the, um, the continent or the country. Um, and so I, I like that aspect of, of learning more about more of this story world as the story progresses. So I'm guessing Adele will have a reason to go to that other place, or there'll be another character that will get a viewpoint from in that place. We do. Oh, okay. Interesting. Her name, her name is Rune, and she's the second point of view. So she's one of the shades. Um, and what is a shade about. in this particular story world? So um, in this, there's there's two different types of shades. Um, there's one that's born a shade, and then there's one that is turned into shades and basically just elite soldiers. They're just elite fighters. They have, you know, really strength and certain abilities. Um, like Adele can infiltrate somebody's mind and seek out their fears or trap them in a mental prison um, in one of their their most feared traumas or something. I always imagined if in like a hell type world that the demons there, like if they were, that was their job, they're there to torture. So they would be, have the ability to somehow figure out what your fears were or your traumas and use that against you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I thought that would be a really cool demon. So I played on that for my demons. And then the angels, um, the angels only come into the story kind of towards the end. Um, it's, it's it's more of that leading into book two, so. Okay, okay. So we've got demons, we've got angels. Is there like gods or goddesses or some kind of predominant like it's, creator or religion? It's not, or... Yeah, there's not biblical or it's not religious. They're just, um, I call them angels, but they're just basically like a, a, a race of angels. They look like angels. They have the wings and they live in an angel realm. So, and so how do those realms connect? Do they connect? Uh, they do. So there's certain angels with, um, 
uh, an ability to open doorways, uh, realm walkers. And so they're, well, not really, I can't remember what I call them in this. It's in the second book. I give them a name, um, but they're basically realm walkers. They open doorways between realms. They open doorways between their own realm, um, their own worlds. They can pass through walls. And so mm. they're, uh, they're, that they're the ones who can allow people to to walk between worlds. Okay, that's really neat. It, so is is that like a a, a a a plot point in the story that the realm walkers and people going to different realms? Are we only staying in the one realm where Adele lives? Uh, in book one, we there's the human realm, and then there's the under realm, which is like the demon realm. Um, so there, those two realms are the ones explored in book one. Okay. And in the other books, we might explore other realms or are we only with those two? No, in other books, we do explore, uh, okay, the cool. angel realm. So, so we're doing yep. some realm hopping. Yep. It's very, it's, it's not high fantasy. So it's very relatable settings. Um, I don't have like a whole new language. I don't have uh, lots of different um, complex structures. I, I really wanted to make it. It's it's very relatable for teen readers to make sure their attention is held, you know, um, which is great because a lot of the reviews that I've seen on Goodreads and Amazon is saying that, you know, this would be a really great introduction fantasy story for for teen readers looking to get into fantasy. So that's really neat. That's really cool. I don't yeah. create languages for mine either. There's like a few made up words in like the 20 plus books I've written and that's it. I am not a linguist. <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. I did it for my first series and I don't feel like it benefited the story. And so with this story, I was like, I'm just going to try to do it as simple, but yet plausible as possible. And and really, the idea was just to hold the reader's attention right, and keep right, it right. as moving fast as possible. So the story does move fast. That's really neat. Now, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, the only words that I really came up with was for things that like we didn't have a word for. And I was like, okay, now I need a thing for th this. Is a, an object that only exists in their world. We don't have this thing. It needs some kind of name. <laughs> and that's that makes like, sense. yeah, like I didn't other otherwise I didn't create things. But that's but I like that this that you that your goal was to keep it relatable. And it sounds like you succeeded with that, which is really cool. And it and we all need more gateway to fantasy books. Like the first when I was a teenager, the first, I read Mercedes Lackey's Valdemar series. That was definitely not a gateway. <laughs> I was lost for like most of it but it was like cool and it was a spunky princess and like meeting all these really interesting characters and it's like I'm gonna figure this out but yeah like well see in the that's, 80s that's the thing. We had... I wanted to make sure like there was no I want to figure this out I wanted to make sure yeah. it was very laid out and lots of wow moments there are definitely some moments um, where you're not expecting certain, certain things, twists and, and things to happen, which I love. I love that people responded to that. And, and so. No, that's really cool. I love the twists and turns, but yeah, no, when I, when I was a teenager, it was the, it was the nineties and there was not a lot to do in a small town when you had like no allowance 
and you were too young to get a job and you couldn't go anywhere because all you could walk to was the lake or the store down the mount down the bottom of the the it's not really a mountain but uh the steep steep hill we all lived on in my neighborhood but that it was like nothing to do ride your bike go sit at the lake like <laughs> read read this wild fantasy book <laughs> You know, see, I didn't start reading until I was in my 30s because I have um, it's it's not a dyslexia. It's more of a comprehension. And so when I read, I I, my brain just reads too fast. And so it skips around. And it was really hard for me in high school to grasp like grammar rules. And I just I was such a math girl, like math and science came to me so naturally. But even now it's like I have to use the cheat sheet on like Mad Libs or something because I can't remember what all that stuff is. But I learned that being an author doesn't mean you have to be uh, pro- proficient in um, the grammar rules. So I yeah. write how I talk and I write how I I am such a visual person in my head. Like I could play out a scene as if it's a movie. And so mm. I can see everything. And so working with my editors, who I love my editors, they're able to kind of help me over the years learn, okay, well, if you're writing this, you have to remember to keep it, you know, parallel and all this stuff. And so now I'm starting to understand the rules better. But as a teenager, it was so frustrating for me. And, and like you said, in the nineties, we didn't, we just, we just went to school. We did what we did. And (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there was, like, cartoons on TV, but, like, if you've seen them all, like, there was no cable, there was no Netflix, you couldn't, it was Blockbuster Video, but somebody had to drive you there, so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's all movies and TV. I I loved movies and TV and everything. I did, too. That just, I just always seemed to run out of stuff to watch, and then it was like, all right. Let's try these books. <laughs> I need some new. Because when you're a teenager, like you don't want to, like, unless it's your favorite episode, you don't really want to rewatch it. <laughs> At least I didn't. Because yeah. I remember I have a very good memory for things. And I was like, oh, I already know what happens. I want that wow factor. I want to not know what's happening. And for that, you need something new. So, yeah. yeah. Now you brought up a couple of times in books two and books three. So uh, we're we're doing this interview on February 16, 2024. So any time references from here on out should be based upon that date. So are books two yes. and three out? Are you writing them? Is that going to only be, it, I see it's the Three Shades trilogy. So I'm guessing that's it for this world. And then you're moving on to something else. Uh, yes. So the plan is November of this year. Um, I don't have a set date yet, which I'll usually set as soon as um, the first draft is done, done and off with my editor. Um, in November for book two, it's called A Vengeful Shade. And uh, book three will be out the following um, fall of 2025. Um, but yes, then as for now, that's it for this story world. I do have other projects lined up that I want to start writing for um, some other young adult dark fantasy um, stories that I've outlined. Um, I'm also releasing this summer a writer's workbook. Um, It's based off of on my Etsy shop. I have a October (laughs) checklist um, and it's been very popular and I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from it's just a checklist. 
And so wait, I'm wait, taking for, the checklist. Wait, wait, for anybody who, hold that thought one second. For anybody who doesn't know, like what she's talking about, Preptober is it's sort of, it's the month before NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writers Month, which is the month of November, when a lot of authors and people who've always wanted to write a book sit down and try and write, I think it's 1,660. No, it's 1,665 words per day, which if you do that every day for 30 days, you end up with 50,000 words. And Preptober is where all those, well, some of those people sit down, make outlines and try to pre-plan what they're going to write. Like if they're plotters, I'm more of a pantser. So um, Preptober is like, all right, Anorimo's coming. Do we, we going to do that this year? I'm always writing, so I don't use I don't always do NaNoWriMo because sometimes like I'm in the middle of a book and I'm like, I'm going to write, you know, all the chapters I can possibly write this month anyways, you know, and I, I don't. So sometimes I will do it because I, I am planning to write every day anyways, unless, you know, I can't because of work or whatever. But like, I don't stress about it. Like if I can't because I have to work or because I'm doing the podcast after work and I'm just too dead and I can't, the brain just wants to turn off and go to sleep. Uh, uh, you know, after all of that, then I'm like, you know what? It's okay. We didn't get the words today because maybe that Saturday I might write two chapters. Like it all, it's like some people kill themselves to like write as much as they possibly can in NaNoWriMo. But the whole point of NaNoWriMo is to get that um, habit of writing, even if it's only a few words a day, which I think is great. I do think some people go a little bit nuts with it. Um, but yeah, that Preptober that she's talking about is that preparation that planners do. It's usually planners and people who want to become planners or uh, what is it? Plancers who are people who uh, plot and pants, which I sometimes I am that. And sometimes I am like, OK, characters, you what are we doing? <laughs> Lead me. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, I'm so what about your workbook? <laughs> yeah, I'm a planter. So, um, but I have had positive responses from the checklist. And um, so I wanted to take that and expand on it because I also have um, um, on my Etsy shop for um, plotters where they can plan out certain scenes in their story. So I'm combining the two and I'm just putting in a workbook and I'm hoping to release that this summer. Um, to help uh, that that planning process be a little bit more structured before, you know, jumping in to write your zero draft or first draft. Mm -hmm. So that is the goal for this summer for the writer's workbook, which I'm really excited. Um, That's and really then going, neat. Yeah. I, I find that uh, it's just, like I said, I, I'm a planter because the first act for me is the one I really plot out. And once I know I have that first act down, then I let my characters and my story kind of evolve on their own. Like I follow a skeleton outline, um, but then, you know, I really, things just happen and things happen that you may not realize oh, yeah. when you were plotting. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, okay. And then at the same time, you'd be like, well, I can add some foreshadowing in back in this chapter to kind of tie it in together. And so I find that um, just doing the outline for as much as you can or as little as you can. Everybody's different. So we put it out there. 
Yeah, and, and I think it's important to, I see people like every year during NaNoWriMo who get really upset that they did this whole beautiful detailed outline in their story just wasn't working and the characters went off on some tangent that took it way far away from that beautiful outline and they're no longer writing that story in the beautiful outline. So I think the important thing is like, don't don't get upset if the if if your inspiration, your muse, or your characters take you in a wholly separate direction because sometimes they know better than we do. I know that's hard to hear, but you often end up with a better book, and you can always go back and change the outline and write a completely different story with it. Yeah. You know, it's no effort is ever truly wasted. No, exactly. I feel like even though even if you write an outline or whatnot your story might have been, it might've turned out the way it did because you wrote the outline, because you didn't write the outline. So it's all just, you know, the, the more you, you dive into your story world, the more you know your characters, the more you know the path and the journey they're taking. So, um, you know, everybody find their, find what works best for them. <laughs> yes. There's no right one. There's no one right way. There's many ways. Mm -hmm. To get to oh, the yeah. end of the book, the story. And the more you do it, the more you'll change how you do it. <laughs> and that's part of the growth process. So mm -hmm. I, I've always, like, after I published my first book, I was like, yes. And I was so focused on marketing this first book. And everybody, my other author friends who've had their, a lot of books published under their belt, they're like, don't stop. You got to just keep writing. If mm -hmm. you just focus on marketing that one book, you're never going to get, you know, to where you have people interested in saying like an auto by author, which mm -hmm. is a dream, you know, but, um, but so you've got to just keep writing and keep doing it. And so now you have to find that balance of marketing and publishing and writing and, and it's like a part-time slash full-time job. And you only have to market as much as, or as little as you want. You don't yes. have to go crazy with it. Like I see people in the Burn groups. Out. Yeah, like I spend $11,000, like don't go into debt, like only do yeah. what you're comfortable with. If you're not comfortable with TikTok, don't do TikTok. If you're only comfortable, like, you know, you only do the things you are comfortable with and and yeah. test everything because it changes, you know, um, like I, I like I have a couple of uh, newer authors that I am friends with that I'm always like, don't, you know, they're always beating themselves up. I think like, don't beat yourself up over it because it's, it's always changing and what works for somebody may not work for you. You know, like there's things that work yeah. for them that don't work for me that like I would rather not do. So I don't do those things that they do, but those things work for them and it makes right. them happy. And I'm always like, keep doing it. I'm not going to do it, but you go, you do it, girl. You know, <laughs> um, the one thing I do say, the one thing I do say, like uh, everybody can pick and choose and, and whatnot. But the one thing I think everybody should do is network, reach out, network, connect, you know, learn experiences from other writers, make friends. Like that's the one thing that really, that will really help you in the end for marketing, writing everything. But I mean, just, just get your, your people, find your group and just kind of scratch each other's backs and learn. So 
Because I, I know it was hard for me. I was such yeah. an introvert. And I'm like, I have to make friends. I have to talk to people. No, and, and keep making the friends because there will be people ahead of you who are, you know, feeling very un, uh, self-conscious and need to hear from someone behind them that, no, yes, you're not hitting the thing, that big, scary goal and that you want to hit, but you're doing amazing from where I am. And, and, and also, like, it's good to be to make connections with newer authors because it makes you feel better about where you are and in you and, and being and hearing where they are and their struggles and offering them advice. It makes you realize how much, you know, and how many things that you don't even realize that you have tried along the way that you can then suggest to them and they can either try them and maybe it'll work for them. Like, you know, it's, it's, I have to say it's, it's humbling. It's, it's very humbling to help newer to be like that, that, author friend for newer authors and it's it's also like it's really fun too because you're there they have so much enthusiasm and it's all new you know so you can tell them well i tried this and it didn't work but like you know maybe if you tried it a different way it might work for you you know or it's something to try right. you know and if they're about to make an expensive mistake you can be like hey maybe think twice about that, you know, yeah, and you can be that yeah. person that you didn't have. And there's something like, I don't know, it makes me, is there some joy in that to be that person to say, wait a minute, you don't need to spend two, like I said to an author a couple of days ago, like you don't need to spend $2,000 on this cover. Yes, it's beautiful. But is, is that going to, are you financially able to handle this? If that book doesn't make $2,000 and they're like, well, no. And I'm like, let's not get the two thousand dollar book cover let's let's get one that's within your means and you can get the two thousand dollar book cover that you absolutely have fallen in love with later or something like it later when you're making that and when you're making money from your books where you can handle that sort of hit yeah that happened where i was about to invest in a book cover for shade of light um and i ended up designing my own covers And so um, I hired, thank you. I hired an illustrator and then he sent me just um, the head to toe uh, character illustration. And then I zoomed in. Um, I used the character artwork for bookmarks and promotional material, but I was able to use it for um, the paperback. And then I did a different view for the hardcover. And then I have a special edition um, hardcover on my Etsy page where I took the character artworks and I uh, included them inside the book, so it was it was actually more budget friendly to hire the illustrator um, and do the care cover art myself, uh, cover design myself. But I do not recommend it <laughs> to people who aren't familiar with doing cover layouts and everything because it can be tricky. So um, I just I done my previous covers. I designed the covers for my YA science fantasy books. Um, uh, so I did those. And so I was comfortable enough to do these. I don't know if I'll do more in the future because it does take up a chunk of time and I'd rather oh, yeah. focus more on writing. I, I've done uh, some covers where I did the art and I had I did the uh, uh, work for hire where, because it was my art and they were doing the, the typography and the handling the because I know Photoshop, but I was new to the whole like formatting a cover 
for print mm-hmm. and like the the spine and the whole back cover and dealing with like that and I didn't understand exactly how to get those dimensions so KDP doesn't give you a, a Kindle uh, I forgot what the D stands for. Uh, so Amazon's publishing arm doesn't complain and send you an error message and say, right, right, we were right. expecting a cover at this dimension, but yours cover is X dimension. And I'm like, well, I don't understand what that means. <laughs> so yeah, but so that's also an option. Like if you have art that you really like, you can hire somebody to just do that part of it, the layout, the text. Yes and format it for you so that you don't, so when that scary error message comes up, you just shoot them a message and say, this is what it says. And they're like, okay, I will send you another version that makes them happy. Give me a day, <laughs> you know, or an so hour you or do, whatever. You do your character artwork? Yes, you do your own. for a lot of them, yeah. Like, um, like I, the guy I behind think, you? Yeah, oh yeah. So he, I did, uh, so there's this program called um, Daz 3D. It's a 3D program and it comes with a bunch of free stuff. They, they change the free stuff all the time. So the stuff that I got for free when I um, downloaded the free software like years ago is not the same as what you'll get if you download it today. They also have a store where you can buy different models. So I bought him because I didn't like the free ones. And um, nothing against them. They were good. But I was looking for a specific look and he, he didn't. they didn't have them. And I bought the outfit that he's wearing. And then I bought these textures. And you apply them to the 3D clothes. And you can oh, change wow. what these looks like. So then I rendered him. And then I didn't know how to. Because he's painted. There's like a, a digital paint over him. He's not just the 3D render from Daz, which a lot of designers use for fantasy covers, the 3D figures. And I did not know at the time how to paint him. So I did the same thing. The work for hire said, I have this guy. I really like him. I don't have a background. I don't even know what to put behind him. Can you make a cover with this? And she's like, yeah. So she painted the the green fire coming out of his hand because when I rendered it, it was just him with the hand <laughs> right, <laughs> to right, stop right. and and on and painted the details on and created the background and did the typography and I had a cover. And it was less expensive to do it that way. So it looked so it's it it looks like an illustration, but it is partially it's a he's a 3D model. So I could then render right. him in different things and get covers because that was my fear, because I, I had had other cover designers in the past previously that I'd worked with where they decide, you know, for what it, you know, they stopped designing for whatever reason and trying to find someone to pick up the series was incredibly difficult. And I understand because like the, when a designer creates the cover themselves, they own the copyright to it and it's difficult. Then somebody has a hard time picking it up. So, um, one thing you can do is you can get the designer to write a letter saying that they give up certain rights to certain pieces. So it's like to the branding so that somebody else can pick it up. And mm-hmm. I've had that and that worked out for one series, uh, which they all have different covers now. So I don't, I don't have those covers, but for this one, cause it's, it was an open-ended series and I didn't know how many books there were going to be. And I didn't know how many years I'd be writing it. And I was like, we need to future proof this. So I did, I did the 3d, uh, character who's on all of the covers and then I've hired different people to do the, the the painting of him and I learned how to do the typography it was pretty simple typography like I didn't want anything super mm-hmm. fancy for it so I, I was able to figure it out how to do it on my own and because it was a work for hire like I owned the copyright of, of him and, and all the design 
the the, te- the text and everything uh, treatments. I owned the copyright, not the designer, because that it was my art that they were using, and that was our agreement, which is not standard. But because it was my art, like they were like, yeah, that's fine, because that, that's more of a standard arrangement if it's your art. And um, yeah, so then I was able to uh, get the painted thing, and I did the typography, and then eventually I learned how to digitally paint it myself, and then I just kept going on my own um that's amazing sideways quest i write (laughs) i write like four to six books a year and release them so and i don't really do any i don't really do much marketing i send out my newsletter i let people know and that's kind of it and like i don't really look at like sales numbers or anything so like i i was like i like to write books and i like to write newsletters i don't really like doing anything else (laughs) so yeah. If that's all I'm going to do. Tough. Yeah. So like, I was like, I, I have to be realistic about how many books I'm actually going to sell and how much money that they'll actually bring in. And I need to be, and I want to, I can keep doing this as long as it stays in the, in the black and doesn't go into the red. So I've looked for ways to, what can I do myself so that I can keep it in the black so I can keep doing this. And maybe someday I'll want to do, you know, more marketing or, or, try to learn advertising but my mind just doesn't work for those sorts of things like I don't understand advertising I <laughs> uh, know and that's what all the other authors have told yeah. me when I first published they were like you got to keep writing you got to keep putting books out you got to give more for the readers to read and get to know you and get to know your your stories so I I think that's amazing and I think you're right like don't don't put yourself in situations that um don't burn out on marketing you know, just pick one, just focus. Because mm-hmm. what we're here to do is write. That's what we yes. want to do. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. And then I started doing the podcast so I could network because <laughs> I'm an introvert. <laughs> but if people come on the show to be interviewed, then I get to talk to them. <laughs> and we might connect outside of that. And, you know, my evil plan. <laughs> it's a good evil plan. Right. <laughs> And and it might be able to connect other introverts together. We could we could create an introvert author support group. <laughs> and and I want right to make there. and I want to make listeners TBRs absurdly log like mine. So you can you can know my my <laughs> my indecision when when looking at the TBR to like hey, what book are we buying from it today? <laughs> Those are all my my goals. <laughs> hey, I'm we really... got goals. They're good. <laughs> yeah I, I just i love books i love talking about them so i figure why not let's bring people on so we can meet other authors we can geek out about books i can hear about all their fantasy books and their fantasy worlds my tbr can be completely unwieldy <laughs> i can hey. buy books every week because i'm hearing about interesting books that i now want to read <laughs> yes well that's that's, I mean, like you said, in the 90s, we barely had any options in anything. And then now it's like, hmm. there's too many, like, there's just so many books that we yeah. all want to read. <laughs> so this podcast is here to help you navigate through all those, the tons yeah. and tons of books in the fantasy thing to the, the indie books that now you've known, you've heard Kimberly, you've heard about her book, and hopefully it has a place on your TBR. Hopefully and if you're, you're uh, <laughs> if um, anybody is going to be at the Imaginarium Book Festival in Washington, D.C. this uh, June, I will oh. be there. So I'm really excited to be a part of that book festival. You're going to have a table and you're going to be selling books or signing books or. Yep. 
there, yeah, along with, um, I can't remember, there's 50 plus authors. I know. Are you doing, um, are you, are like some of the authors, um, I know from TikTok, do like a pre order where you can pre order the book mm -hmm. and then you go to, the 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 event and you can just pick up your order which i think is yep, so, so cool yep imaginary book festival that's in june um there's some big name authors um i know elise kova is going is it elise or elisa uh, i can't Not remember sure. name. Uh, tracy tracy wolf will be there um so there's some big name authors which i'm really excited that will draw in some great i mean they've already sold out and all the tickets and everything but I'm just really excited to meet some of the authors in real life that I've I've mingled with on on Instagram and and over on TikTok. So, well, more Instagram. Cool. I'm an Instagram girl. <laughs> I am on Instagram, but like it's not it's not my thing. <laughs> I'm there. This is a few authors that I'm friends with who don't use Facebook, so we do the Insta uh, Instagram has a chat feature on there, so we geek out about books on there that's the only reason i go on there yes well i figure we have to pick at least one and yeah. so i i liked um because i had a, a book blog before i mm. became an author and so i was doing a lot of bookstagram stuff on instagram and so then i just kind of stuck with it over there that's cool um, that's cool. I had a blog, but I never got into Instagram. <laughs> I, I got into Facebook in college and I just, that was, yeah, that was what I used. <laughs> the other community is heavily based in Facebook. Yeah. It's like, I'm good. Well, all, all the aspiring authors out there are writers, you know, who are, who are working towards publishing their first, you know, I highly recommend, you know, starting a book blog or getting in book clubs or reaching out and interacting with of other authors and other readers, you know, just to learn the ropes and get an idea of, because writing the book is hard, but everything after you hit that publishing button, it's harder. So. Oh, yeah. And you, and you need other authors you can talk to because there unfortunately is the dark side to publishing. There are a lot of people who are selling um, services to authors. Some are outright scams. And mm -hmm. like you, you need other authors that you can ask. You can, you can, you can sort of that you can vet, and make, and yeah. you should vet everything. Make sure to get references to ask other authors that you know um, if they've heard of this. Like, don't fall for the scams. Yeah. Someone offers to market your book. If you pay them money, say no, run oh. away. It's a scam. It is a hundred percent of the time a scam. It is never a real yes. thing. Um, and so yeah. just be careful out there. Yes. Yes. I a hundred percent agree. You got to be careful. You got to talk. You got to make sure before you give anybody, you know, money or, or commit to anything, you know, just find out if it's legit or not. Yeah. And like, not everybody has a lawyer. So if you have, like, if you're, if you're reading terms of service for things, like as we had going on earlier today, where the author community was, was, uh, focusing on the new terms of service for a, a distributor that we a lot of us use uh, it's helpful to be in a group of other authors to read other people's perspectives on it and hear their fears and so you can make your because at the end of the day you have to make your own decision about what's good for you and your books but it's good it's really great when you can read other people's 
what they're in, what they're going to do, why they're going to do it, why they're negatively reacting to you, or why they're positively reacting to this. So that helps you to inform you as you're reading this, because reading the, the legalese in in contracts and in terms of service can be very difficult for your average person. And we don't all have a lawyer on on tap that mm-hmm. we can call up. So it's really it's really essential to find your community. And there are a lot of really good authors on Facebook. Yes. I know there's other corners of the author community on other social media. Um, but yeah, you, you want to find people that you can be like, hey, I got this thing. Did you get it? What do you think of it? How, how are you reading this? Like, what is your, what do you, how are you going to react to this? Because yeah. it helps you to make a decision. Um they may see something in there that you didn't see that then you can then go back and say, okay, does this affect me? Is this something that I worry about? Is this something that I should take some action on? And sometimes the answer will be yes. Sometimes the answer will be no, but it's, it's great when it's not just you trying to figure this out on your own, when you can lean on a community um, and, and have them also be scrutinizing these things and point it out so you don't miss it so you don't want to get locked into some like bad terms i don't have find a way um i produced all my audiobooks through (laughs) yeah i uh i produced all of my audiobooks through acx um Ah, so you're you're yeah amazon yeah and it's 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 sad that that happens um I'm sorry. Somebody just messaged me actually about the fight. I'm trying really hard to like silence everything. And the one thing I forgot to silence somebody else who has a podcast, an author facing podcast who reads um, snippets of people's uh, books on Spotify, just sent me a, a panicked message asking about, because I put up a post about that. I removed some episodes. So I, I guess it's a good time to address this. I don't, I don't want to make this about me, but I did remove uh, 20 something episodes from my podcast where I am reading um, or I read most of one of my books on here because of the terms yeah. that Spotify has put out. And there's some language in there that um, they are grabbing the rights to certain things. And I do not want them to have the rights to this book. It is mine. And it, so I, I just removed all of it because I don't want to deal with it um, right now. So it's this is, but all the interviews are still here. There's still, you know, 80 something interviews. And there's a couple episodes where I am ranting about my books because that's fine. They, they can have that. <laughs> I'm just ranting and raving about my characters being very well, very not behaved. Um, but yeah, so that, that's what we're talking about. Like their Spotify t- uh, owns Find Away Voices, which many, many authors use to distribute their audiobooks, including me. And the terms changed. And there was some very questionable language in there about mm-hmm. them having unlimited rights to our content that we were putting on there for, for the purposes of distribution, but giving them the rights to perform it, transpose, transcribe it, and and many, many other things. And we're like, why do you need the ability to do this when all you're doing is distributing it to the library systems and to other retailers that will not allow us to um, just to publish our book, our audiobooks to them directly. Like, why do you need the ability to perform my book? 
if you're distributing right. an audiobook, like stuff like that. And I went back and looked at it because this podcast host that I originally had, which was Anchor, was bought out by Spotify. And I was oh. checking the um, the terms every like, you know, every like quarter or so. And then and I didn't see anything in there. And I looked today because I hadn't looked in a while and I hadn't seen any emails about any of the terms changing. And it is the same exact terms that everybody's freaking out about for there um, for find a way. It's the same exact terms with the same exact questionable language. So I just re maybe I reacted out of anger or fear because there is a, another clause and many there's other clauses in there that concern me. One of them about survival. That basically even if I you do remove your content, they still have the rights to use it mm -hmm. forever. Basically, is what the clause says, um, and. Yeah, so maybe maybe I reacted a fair and I wrote like an angry rant on Facebook and another po uh, podcast host who she doesn't do interviews. She reads people's books, like chapters from mm -hmm. their books. People give her the authors give her permission. They want her to do this. This is not she has full permission for it. She's a wonderful person and, and a wonderful fantasy author. And is it Liz? Um, Yes, she sent me a, a message. So I, I, but I thought I silenced Facebook. No, um, Liz, Liz is one of my dearest friends, my author friends. She's so close. I love Liz so much, and she she also shared the find a way thing, um, uh, on Facebook, and I was messaging her about it. So yeah, Liz is great. She's so informative. She's just yeah. really great. And this is what we're saying. Like you need to find those people and connect with these people and be able to pop in and say, Hey, did you hear about this? You know, yeah. like, cause that's so important. I forgot that her podcast is also on Spotify because like I know some other authors that are. So I put a whole thing on Facebook because I'm followed by a couple of people who have podcasts. And like I was trying to remember who the, who they were. And I had a mental note to myself after work today. And then I was like, I forgot I had the podcast <laughs> um, recording today to to tag those so that because uh, to check their their terms for their podcast because they may want to look at their episodes and see like, do they want Spotify to have unlimited rights to some of their content that they have been sharing? Um, so I think that's the post that she saw. Cause I was really angry. <laughs> it was a very angry rant. <laughs> well, it's, it's a little polite. scary because I completely understand because you know, her podcast is amazing and it's very supportive for indie authors and everything yes. helping us, you know, get people interested in that first chapter but this has a huge impact on her podcast and that's unfortunate and i mean she'll she'll figure it out she's a very intelligent smart woman yeah so. i i'm gonna write her back and i think that all she should really do is just let authors know and many of them like because it's just the first chapter that like she did with me like she they made yes i did i did warn you before this that, yeah. that the terms have changed and mm -hmm. it's the same scary terms that uh, govern this podcast as that we're in the find a way um terms of service before 513 this evening when they updated them to add a, some clarification but they didn't remove like all of they didn't change all the language that was concerning there's quite a few things and they and they lowered yeah. the rates on a bunch of places too another uh, and laura i forget her last name lauren uh, and i were we're going back and forth about that in, in white for the winds um facebook group because that 
was a bit concerning that they're lowering payouts for some things and, and they're changing how they pay. So now you get, you're going to get the report this month and then the next month you get paid. So they're going to be paying two months behind. Uh, like a certain other retailer that we all know and love, um, which is not the way it was. Um, I so yeah, a lot of things, a lot of feelings. I don't want to. I didn't. I didn't want. To, I was going to do a separate short episode addressing this. So, but I guess I don't because it's, we did it here. <laughs> so um, I'll just amend the show notes to include this, uh, e- even though I, I wasn't intending to, uh, to talk about it. But maybe it's good because there was a lot of feelings brewing and. I'm still not quite sure what to do about it. I want to continue the podcast. Uh, I I don't want to lose all our wonderful Spotify listeners because there's quite a few of you. (laughs) You you guys make up quite, if I understand the the metrics right, (laughs) which I may not be, but there's quite a, a, you're the largest group. What you do here is amazing, you know, reaching out and connecting indie authors. So I I love doing this. (laughs) Yeah. Just going forward and just, asking if they want to do a short excerpt or if they just want to talk about the book and the story. I mean, either way, we need yeah. more um, podcasters out there reaching out and saying, let's, let's talk about your book. So thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, you're it. welcome. I love it. <laughs> and I think that's part of the anger and the, and the frustration is that like, I want to keep doing this, but I want to do it in a way that is not harmful to authors because the whole goal of this was well, to make my TBR list even longer than it already is and to make others, but also to help connecting the authors to, to listeners and to uh, readers. And, um, and that means we have to talk about the books and, and there should be an excerpt, but I, I don't want to expose someone to any sort of risk or anything that they're not comfortable with. So right. it will go on and we'll, we'll do the best we can, but might be a little different uh, format going forward. Um, whatever the, I'm always going to do whatever the, the guest is comfortable with. Yes. No, I think it was nice to throw that disclosure out there and I appreciate it. And, you know, you're doing great. And I think a lot of authors will appreciate you continuing because it's all about networking and yes. connecting and learning more about the industry. So. Yeah. And it's not just the interview. Like people can contact me outside of the interview as well. Like I, <laughs> I, I'm now like a person that, you know, in the author community. Um, I know I'm going to text Liz after I'll be like, Mendelinda is so great. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think she's been on yet. Um, I hope she will come on to somebody. I don't think she's been on yet. I'm not sure. There's been quite a few people. I'm sorry, Liz, if you came on and I just am not remembering. It's been a really long work day with like, it was this whole like thing with somebody misunderstanding and emailing like all the way up the chain for something. They could have just emailed me that we could have fixed like in a few minutes (laughs) and caused all this unnecessary and exhausting trauma and Lots of so, I don't know emails. if I mentioned, but um, just so everyone knows, it's it's Liz Delton we're talking about. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Liz Delton, D E L T O N, and she has a podcast and she has fantasy series and she's so informative. She just uh, wrapping up her first Kickstarter, which I'm so inspired by, and um, so I, I'm just she's an amazing indie author. So yes, yeah, I definitely... hope she'll come on so we could do like the it, the podcast crossover. <laughs> I've done a few of those. They're like really fun. (laughs) 
Yes. So read, read. Well, I don't know if you want to read your chapters on her, on her podcast, but you can definitely, you know, uh, we'll see well, what we'll, she does. We'll figure it out. Once we get her on yeah. here, we'll, we'll work something out. Cause I think it'd be fun to do some kind of crossover. I'm doing a crossover with another podcast. We're still trying to iron out the date he came on. We haven't quite been able to get the schedules to match. Cause he records on the day that I work in the office. <laughs> So like it, it's, we haven't quite been able to get the schedules to align. We were trying for today, but after the whole thing blew up, I was like, I can't do it. I I'm on damage control <laughs> yeah. till they let me leave. So, um, but maybe next week we'll be able to get that together. Um, so I'm hoping it'll be a little bit less drama. So um, if you're that person who caused me drama today at work, like maybe you could just, email only the people who are directly involved in and and can fix the thing that is that you want fixed and not like the c-suite <laughs> next time <laughs> i promise we respond to requests just as quickly if you email us and leave them off the email <laughs> anyways i work in it happy friday other life yeah so um imagine <laughs> the the chaos and the drama sometimes um yeah, so let's get let's bring it back to Shade of Light. Um, anything else you want to say about Shade of Light? I feel bad we've been like rambling on other oh, no, topics, no. topics. It happens. I I love talking about like the industry and the book world. So um, Shade of Light. Uh, I, I'm working on book two. Um, it'll come out. Uh, Eventual Shade will be out in November. And book three will be out in 2025, later in the fall. Um, I love this story world. I love writing young adult fiction um, that's appropriate, you know, for the teen readers. So I'm looking forward to the festival in D.C. this summer. Um, I do have Shade of Light on audiobook. I love my narrator. She's amazing, Amanda Davidson. Um, and she has agreed to narrate for books two and three as well. So I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. Um, I mainly live on Instagram. So, yeah. And we have all the links in the show notes or the description, depending on where you're watching or listening. And Kimberly is going to come back to talk about her science fantasy series, no pressure, at some point. And so we <laughs> can dig into what it is, what it's about, and all those things. And maybe get an update on where book two is at in this series. I think that's fun when people come back and we can get an update. Like, well, last time you were here, you said X. How are we doing on X? Like, I think that's kind of fun. You become a recurring character then. The accountability. <laughs> accountability <Yeah. check. laughs> No, I mean, it, it, I, have a, I have an author friend who's come on and like she's like, I finished my book just so I can come back. <laughs> I was like, you know what? That's what we are here for. We are here to make sure you get the books out. You keep the promises to readers. We are here for that. Yes. No, I love it. Yeah, definitely. I would love to come back and talk yeah. and make sure everything's on the road. Um, Shade of Light is also on Kindle Unlimited right now. And I'm probably planning on keeping it there uh, until book two comes out. So that way people can just snag it and read it and get ready for book two. Nice. All right. So hope you all check out Shades of Light. And I hope that you weren't put off by all our author chat. Uh, I know there's quite a few listeners who are readers and authors. So I know I know y'all were sitting there with popcorn. <laughs> but for those who are not um, in the in, in in the book world that way, <laughs> I hope it wasn't too um, 
hope it wasn't too much when we, you know, we, we try not to pull the curtain back too much on author stuff, but a little now and then I think is, is good because it does affect us. And I don't know, I don't know if any of the 500 authors that I saw commenting on the find a way um, terms of service fiasco got anything else done today <laughs> except mm -hmm. that, except analyzing the terms of service and trying to figure out what to do with their books. Um, so I don't think that was a bad thing to pull it back. So you're still aware that all yeah. of your favorite authors are dealing with this right now. Um, yeah. And it may I, affect the availability of audiobooks going forward. Yeah, that's true. Writers are emotional thing. people. We are emotional people. So yeah. we, we have lots of feelings. <laughs> Let my Facebook post earlier that Stan has proof that we are emotional. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Kimberly Wright, for coming on here and talking about Shade of Light and many, many other things. I do feel much better after venting about this. Oh, well, I'm um, glad. And thank you for having me, Melinda. I look forward to coming and chatting with you again. Yeah, no, you're welcome. And you're welcome to hit me up uh, to chat about books outside of this. Um, I am on Instagram. I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> I only go on there to talk to people. So I forget like, oh, yeah, I also have the account that I could post things on <laughs> i forget but yeah thank you so much this has been another episode of fantasy lore and more and we will be back with another uh, interview tomorrow and uh maybe with an excerpt i don't know we'll see how the author feels about that and we'll keep you uh apprised this developing situation since it is affecting the podcast uh directly um, which is sad but you know that is life all things evolve sometimes in good ways sometimes not we'll hope that this uh, evolves into something better um, and that's better for authors so keep us all in your thoughts and prayers as we navigate these difficult waters all right thank you so much